You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 Cast, your ultimate answer for fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and today we are going back to the movies to talk about Spider-Man Homecoming. But before we do that, let's get introduced to our cast today. So first up, you know him as the consummate gamer. He's the guy that always has a drink in hand while he's podcasting, and that is my buddy James. How are you doing, James? I'm good. I'm doing great. Yeah, nothing all that new. I bought a food saver. I felt really good about that purchase. <laughs> what What is a food saver? So it is a vacuum sealing mechanism for mm. vacuum sealing, like anything you want to package, like meat or vegetables or a leftover sandwich. Mm. I already told my wife, I'm just going to start vacuum sealing random stuff when we get that. <laughs> like, I, it was very, it was very Guardians too, where I was like, Star-Lord, like, I'm going to make some some messed up stuff like that's why I, I was with the food saver i was like i'm just gonna vacuum seal some random things it's not even gonna make sense you're taking like like uh crackers and cookies and stuff i'm just vacuum sealing it right like just vacuum seal all of the pens in the house just because <laughs> honey where'd the dog go <laughs> mm, he's preserved forever <laughs> I have bad news and I have good news. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like the people who learn how to make jerky and just make jerky out of everything that they can get their hands on. I yeah, I to... almost became one of those people at one <laughs> point. <laughs> hey, I made carrot jerky. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, uh, so what are you drinking today, James? Today I'm drinking some Jameson Black Barrel uh, whiskey. So uh, it's it's like it's like a half step above regular jameson there's really not too huge of a difference like it doesn't burn as much as jameson does as a whiskey it's a little bit smoother but like i said not a lot so uh but but there's no peat flavor to it right there is zero peat it's one of the best things about any irish whiskey is irish whiskey like they just don't believe in peat they're like laddie will it get you drunk and they're like oh hey it'll get you really drunk and you're like great I'll drink it. And so that's like every Irish whiskey ever. Like they don't really have a bad flavor. Okay. It's just, it burns, it's smooth, or it will kill you after you've probably drank too much. See, that's, this is interesting to me just because I know that Ireland is full of peat. So I would have expected that Irish whiskey would have the peaty flavor. So that's kind of funny right? that they're the ones who don't. Uh. I know. <laughs> Maybe it's their way of being like, you know what? F the Scottish. I don't like them. We're not putting Pete in anything because the Scottish do it. So we're not doing it. <laughs> All righty. So anything else new and exciting happened since the last time you were on? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I've been replaying through the Ezio series of Assassin's Creed games. Uh, so that's a trilogy of three games. So I've been replaying those and it's been kind of nice to go back and see like where the franchise is sitting now mm-hmm. and play something where, uh, yeah, no. 
the mechanics are definitely janky. Oh my gosh, I forgot <laughs> how bad some of the motion mechanics can be sometimes. So it's been enlightening and frustrating, um, but nice to kind of go back down memory lane. All right, awesome. It's good to have you back, James. Thank you. Good to be back. Next up uh, is a guy we haven't had on for a while. He's a guy that loves to watch movies. He is an awesome person. If you ever spot him at Dragon Con, which unfortunately he won't be at this year, and that is my buddy Will. How are you, Will? I'm great, sir. How you doing? I am doing okay. Excellent. We, we shall not bring up the uh, the Dragon Con <laughs> thing. It's too emotionally turmoil. Uh, yeah, it, it is It is a sad story. But I, see, I can commiserate with you because I can't go to Dragon Con either. Oh, there you go. So we'll commiserate together and drink our sorrows away and whatnot. <laughs> right. There you go. So, uh, so how have you been? Doing well, doing well. I've uh, been playing a few video games here and there. I broke down and picked up a uh, Nintendo Switch, and I've been uh, replaying Mario Kart to the utter amazement and enjoyment and frustration and anger that comes with it as all versions of mario kart do exactly you know mm. it's the greatest and the most uh, horrible thing ever invented uh ruin friendships and strengthen them at the same time <laughs> right. beyond that you know just live and work and can't complain oh okay anything uh, new and exciting happened since the last time you were on and i'm i'm trying to remember when that was it wasn't all the way back at snowpiercer was it oh gosh i think i've done one more since then oh you you were on the arcade one weren't you yeah yeah the the, the 80s arcade episode Mm -hmm. no no not really just you know fun and excitement at work you know the location i'm at is uh in the middle of a neighbor that's not so great so uh you know have some deviants and some some homeless and some druggies and some some excitement every single day it's just a matter of uh how soon will it take before we call the police today so it's (laughs) it's uh you know we we kind of have a bet going every day you know sometimes i win sometimes i don't sometimes i uh I go ahead and call him when I get there, just as a preemptive measure. But oh, it's all good. You know, it's it's a three ring circus. I love it. Do you have to duck from fire as you're making your way from your car to your, to, to work? That's right. Yeah, totally. Or like when I'm leaving, you know, I take the zigzag motion to get to my car. You know, that way the sniper can't get a beat on me. <laughs> do you do the Kirk flips? That's right. Do the duck and cover. You know, do the the power roll. Right. In, you know. So, but yeah, you know, keeps me on my toes. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it keeps me excited. So. All right. Awesome. <laughs> well, it's good to have you back, Will. Good to be here. Thank you. All right. Next up is a guy who we uh, we last heard from with uh, the Gotham episode. He uh, loves the Dark Knight. He is one half of the team that brings us American sci-fi classics at Dragon Con, and that is Gary Mitchell. How are you doing, Gary? I am well, sir. I am well. A little crazy for Dragon Con in, in right. less than two weeks. <laughs> Yeah. Although by the time this one airs, Dragon Con will have already come. So I'll, I'll be in post con. Oh my god, that happened mode. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, so other than that, how are things going? Uh, they're not not too bad. Uh, started a new job and it's going well. I don't really want to talk about it because you know I like to keep my work life and my private life you mm. know separate. Mm. But uh, yeah, it, it's. Uh, uh, I'm just consumed by Dragon Con right now. There's pretty much okay. nothing. It's like, that's the big target, and I'm closing in on it, much like a bowl of petunias at the ground. Okay. <laughs> what what a nice uh, thing to quote uh, on the 42 cast podcast there so. <laughs> i figured you would appreciate that yes. <laughs> and i am definitely thinking oh no not again <laughs> right yeah <laughs> what's that rushing towards me i wonder if it'll be my friend yeah but anyway <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's uh, it's good to have you back on, Gary. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. 
And next up is someone who is brand new to the 42 cast. He is the other half of the American Sci-Fi Classics track uh, directorship, I guess. Um, he is a guy that loves geeky stuff. And he loves obscure, very, very obscure 80s television. And that is my buddy Joe. How are you doing, Joe? What is happening? Oh, uh, not so much. I, th- I think you're on a podcast, though. What? Yeah. This is how I always talk. Okay. <laughs> this is the only way I communicate with anybody. So, uh, Joe, since this is your first time on, why don't you tell us all a little bit about yourself? I am a uh, copywriter and a proofreader and an editor in my real life. And in my geekiness, uh, in in my geek career, I am uh, the co-director with our other guest, Mr. Gary Mitchell of the American Sci-Fi Classics Track. Yay! Yay! And we are back in just a couple of weeks to do more fun stuff. Yeah. Will Manimal be heavily featured this year? Manimal, we are taking a slight break from because last year we got maximum Manimal (laughs) because we had an actual actress from Manimal. Mm. She was amazing. I bet that was like a lifetime achievement unlocked for you. Yeah, I really thought, okay, I'm I'm done at this point. <laughs> and, Although there um, is a bit of a, a manimal renaissance going on right now. It's it's we we, we me, Gary and I uh, call it the manimalissance. It's uh, <laughs> it's happening. We're not gonna make it go. We're not gonna let it go away. They just talked about manimal on the uh, full frontal with Samantha B a few days ago. Highly underrated, she said. Mm. Yes, indeed. It's, I, I have to check it out one of these days. Well, it won't take you long. There are only eight episodes. Right, no, I knew that. But I am somebody who <laughs> still does enjoy watching 80s television. You know, I, I love some Knight Rider and A-Team. And... Well, if you don't enjoy watching 80s television, I have no time for you, sir. Okay. Or madam. <laughs> If Manimal was going to be a guest star on any of those shows back then, what would have been the best team-up? Uh, Manimal, let's see, he's rich, so he wouldn't need to hire the A-team for anything. Although I would I, w- I would want that a lot. Oh, I He could it. afford them. <laughs> he should, he should join, he, here's the thing, Airwolf, Manimal and Airwolf. Okay. It would be a whole thing. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I love imagining crossovers like that. Um, there was a something going on a little bit ago talking about Airwolf, Knight Rider, and A-Team crossover. Was that on the American Sci-Fi Classics page? Yeah. Yes, okay. yes, it was. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I knew I saw it on Facebook, but you know, a lot of times on my feed, I'm not paying too much attention to where it's coming from. But uh, yeah, that just sets the mind, you know, thinking you know about the possibilities there. But Joe, it is great to have you on the podcast. I am tickled pink to be here. All right, excellent. So those of you who have been on before know what time it is. It's time for five questions. Yay! 
<laughs> and for Joe, and for those of you who are just joining us, what five questions is, is it's a set of five random questions that only have two possible answers. So what it does is it helps us kind of loosen up. It helps tell all of you a little something about us and where we stand on certain geeky questions, but it also kind of limits us so we can't go too far off into the weeds. Be quiet, Jennifer Hartshorn. I know you're going to say that's not true. All right. So... Ah. <laughs> so better 80s cartoon G.I. Joe or Transformers why you gotta hurt me like this <laughs> it's what I do yes purely just based on the simple fact that G.I. Joe was a mad passion of mine for ages and I still have a great big burning fondness for it I'm gonna go with G.I. Joe yes Transformers is a great sci-fi storyline and Optimus Prime was my robot dad but mm. I have Cobra tattooed on my shoulder when you said big fat burning that's not where i thought you were going to go but uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh will man see once again you got to make us choose uh it's like choosing two big chunks of your childhood come on Nathan. <laughs> right you know i oh, i've got to go with gi joe simply because uh you know even though transformers like gary said is is great sci-fi uh gi joe was uh a bit more of the out there, even though I'm talking against giant robots, right? <laughs> you know, with with the battles and the uh, the lack of skill of the of the weapons and the lasers <laughs> and the military incompetence, <laughs> and I mean, you can't forget the Viper, you know. But yeah, I gotta go GI Joe. Okay, James. It's gonna be GI Joe for me, mostly because I I remember growing up watching that way more than Transformers. Like I, I and I blame my parents for that because I just like I don't remember them ever turning cartoons on when Transformers was on. But GI Joe, like I had all the action figures. I was such a fanatic about having GI Joes that my mom actually at one time GI Joe let let uh, like parents go on like call them or maybe go on the internet. I don't know which was a thing at the time. And, like, custom order a custom G.I. Joe, which my mom did. And his code name was Robo, because my last name's Ro. And I was like, thanks, Mom. <laughs> like, now I'm like, Robo? Really? I mean, I guess it fits in the whole G.I. Joe thing, but that's, like, the lamest Joe out there. Yeah, he's the one that's getting beaten up for his lunch money. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, yeah. All right. Uh, Joe? Uh, it's G.I. Joe for me because my name is in the name of the show. <laughs> I, I thought you might go there. <laughs> There's a theme song with my name in it. Why would I not pick that? You know, I have to say, I was disappointed when I saw the G.I. Joe films that they did not include the original theme song in there anywhere. Mm. Outrage. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Well, I, I am shocked that I am the only one going Transformers, but uh, Transform uh, uh, between my brothers and I, we had 80, I think 83 Transformers. That was like our primary fandom before Nintendo came out and totally like started devouring all of our time and money. But uh, yeah, I, I love Transformers. It's a decent sci-fi series. Even now, I can go back and watch it and enjoy it, so... 
I always love the idea of the robots in disguise, so uh, for me it's Transformers. I always like Transformers because they showed up on Earth millions of years ago and looked like alien machines yes. at first, unlike the GoBots, which just happened to look like Earth machines. Right. Oh god, let's not get started on Transformers versus GoBots, that's a whole other podcast, but uh, yeah. <laughs> But um, we are, we're actually having a panel about that very thing uh, at the Dragon Cons this oh, year. Oh, Joe, why do you have to hurt me? Why do you have to hurt me at the panels that I'm missing out on? Look, well, look I'll, I'll let you guys know that this... signed. You and Will signed a contract. <laughs> I know it was in human blood, and so when you don't, th- it's come, on you guys to not be there. Yeah. Please, whatever you do, don't come kidnap me and force me to attend. Right. <laughs> That'd be horrible. <laughs> horrible. I'm sending Although the I... black helicopters right now. <laughs> sending Airwolf. Although I will let you know our good friends at Retroblasting are the ones doing the panel, so you may get a chance to see it after the con. Oh, okay. See? Nice. nice. Right. We're givers. We're <laughs> givers and helpers. At some point, when I like sell a few vital organs, I'll make it back to Dragon Con. But, uh, oh, until then. All right, so next question. Better 90s boy band, NSYNC or Backstreet Boys? Which one did the the video where they were the monsters, the Backstreet. universal monsters? Okay, Backstreet I'm going with Boys. them. Okay. <laughs> That's I love my your answer. way of framing that. Yes, it's Backstreet Boys. <laughs> okay, well. Oh, gosh. Just because there was a running joke for a long time that his that Joey's last name was Fat One, uh-huh. I'm going to go with NSYNC. Okay. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Backstreet Boys kind of guy uh because they were a man band not that that oh, stupid oh. boy stuff <laughs> shade throw <laughs> <laughs> all right joe i feel like i want to go backstreet boys and here's why because when they become adults they didn't change the name <laughs> they didn't become the backstreet men and also, they had uh, one of the best, like maybe movie fun, movie finale scenes, may, um, maybe um, credit uh, credit sequences. They show up at the end of the movie. This is the end, mm. and they are amazing. Oh, okay, it's a surprise cameo, and they are the the whole cast dances with the Backstreet Boys <laughs> at the end of the movie. <laughs> Well, I haven't heaven. seen the movie, Joe, so now thank you. <laughs> it reminds me of the end of Mars Attacks when Tom Jones just comes out and everyone just starts dancing with him. It's well, not yeah. unusual to be loved by anyone. Well, he's Tom freaking Jones, man. <laughs> it's the oh. same thing. It's They're the Backstreet Boys. What are you going to do? <laughs> right. But it gets better, Nathan. They're in the afterlife. Mm, okay. Right, when all this goes down. Are right. we totally ruin it? Ruining <laughs> I mean, it? I mean, I mean, spoiler alert. Sorry. Yeah. Spoilers for a movie we're not talking about today. But okay. Yeah, for me, it's Backstreet Boys too. For mostly because of the same reason Gary said, I love that music video they did, and uh, neither one of them were uh, a band that I listened to very much. But it, it's kind of funny to me that this one came up on a Sausage Fest podcast where it's all guys, because uh, most episodes we do have a decent mix of girls and guys, and I think for most of us we weren't listening to either of these bands. So, uh, just well, to... not that not willingly, anyways. They were right. all over the radio. Oh, well, yes. No, that's that's very true. Very true. All right, but third question. Better fantasy movie series, Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter? The Sword and the Sorcerer. Okay. 
<laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Lord of the Rings, Pat. Okay. Uh, just because, uh, well, for one, you know, it's Tolkien and it's the Ur fantasy mm-hmm. that everybody else riffs off of. And, you know, that cast, the special effects, and the fact that three more movies that were subpar still don't take the joy out of my my enjoyment of those movies hmm. and whereas the harry potter movies they're good don't get me wrong but they're very much cliff notes of the books so i actually prefer the books okay uh lord of the rings definitely just personal preference not a lot bigger fan of lord of the rings than i am harry potter plus you know it's a it's an even time investment if you were to watch the three extended versions of lord of the rings it'll take you just as much time to watch all eight of the harry potter movies so <laughs> you know might as well just watch three movies instead of eight right you right. know so there you go right <laughs> Okay. Um, Lord of the Dance. Yes. Nope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it would be Lord of the Rings for me. And, like, I I enjoyed the Harry Potter movies for what they were. Like, I ended up being that guy, and still am that guy, who has never read the Harry Potter books. I've seen all of the movies. My wife was a rabid fan of the books. And uh-huh. so I'm the guy sitting through these movies going, wait, that doesn't make sense. That seems like a plot hole. I don't. And she's going, oh, well, it's this, that. Would you read the book? And I'm like, no, you should just tell me. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, but no, I do. I I will always love the Lord of the Rings franchise. Um, I think it's such a well-told story. And as said, yeah, if you watch the extended versions, you get the whole story. And I don't fall asleep through it like I do when I try to read the book. You just hurt me with that last part. (laughs) You You just hurt me in a deep place in my heart. I made it through the books. I just ended up falling asleep like, like I don't know, like eight different times with <laughs> Fellowship of the Ring. Because like the whole beginning of the book, I was just like, oh, they're just walking places. God. <laughs> Man, tough crowd. <laughs> uh, this one's tough. This one's tough. I, um, I'm going to have to say Harry Potter. I think I've spent more time with Harry Potter over the, and that may just be a recent preference, but I think I've spent more time with Harry Potter because my wife is a librarian. My daughter loves Harry Potter. So we, we're, we're all in it. And we, and the Harry Potter um, area at Universal Studios is so great. Mm. And uh, they have butterbeer, but there's nothing, and butterbeer is delicious, <laughs> and there's nothing good to drink from the Lord of the Rings franchise. Come on. Well, that's just straight up beer. <laughs> yeah. If you like beer. <laughs> exactly. Okay. <laughs> yeah, for me, it is uh, definitely Lord of the Rings. Uh, I've mentioned before, I know on previous episodes, how uh, strongly the Lord of the Rings series has influenced me, uh, how important it is to me and my life. And like James, I've seen the Harry Potter films. I have not read the books. I, I have a knee-jerk reaction against child protagonists in the first place um and it is just not a (laughs) it's just uh it's just not for me let's just put it that way so all right so fourth question better social media platform facebook or twitter facebook because i still don't understand twitter (laughs) i can't keep up with something that moves that fast wait hold on what do you mean 15 more tweets have happened while i've gotten two words out (laughs) That and I'm verbose. 140 characters, I can do that with like in a sneeze. <laughs> yep. I've seen him. This is a thing. You can actually do it. Uh, I gotta go Facebook because I'm more involved with Facebook than I am Twitter. I think I'm up to uh, 
five tweets now, so I'm slowly getting there on Twitter. But yeah, definitely you haven't been on Facebook in a long time either, though. It's how much I'm on Twitter. Mm. Exactly. No okay. <laughs> Oh, man. Like, I... Uh... I don't know. It really, for me, it always depends on, like, what I'm trying to get out. Because I have both Facebook and Twitter linked to each other. So if I mm-hmm. post on Facebook, it posts to Twitter. If I post on Twitter, it posts to Facebook. Because I'm that lazy, why would I try to use both at the same time? When I can just use them in a simultaneous fashion, whether, uh, whichever one I'm on. I tend to be on Facebook more often, I would say, than I am on Twitter. But, yeah, yeah, that. Okay. See, I didn't know you could make... Facebook cross post to Twitter. I know Twitter could cross post to Facebook. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's a thing. Like yeah, and I'm trying to remember. Like they, like Google it. Like it, okay, <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm sure there's a guy, but I swear to God, it'll save your life. Especially if you're like, I like using Twitter, but I find myself on Facebook more often than not, or vice versa. Like it's really great to just get your stuff like posted on either side. Yeah, no, because I mean. Well, I'll, I'll get to my thing later, but uh, yeah, I, I, th- I would be interested in that. I'm going to go with Facebook, because Facebook was first, so Twitter is just a... T- Twitter, to me, is just a... Okay, well, you know how great... Fa- fa- how on Facebook you had all your friends and tons of space? Well, here on Twitter, we took away all that. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it's kind of a combination of all of those things because uh, Facebook, it's Facebook for me. And uh, like Gary was saying, uh, I don't like the fact that Twitter moves so quickly. At least with Facebook, I can read through my whole feed and it, unless I'm on vacation or something and I'm not able to pay attention to it, I usually keep up pretty well with what everyone is posting. On Twitter, that's not even possible or it would have to be a full-time thing where I just never leave. I just stare at Twitter all day long. The other thing is also, like Gary said, the I cannot contain my thoughts to 140 characters and I'm always frustrated when I'm typing like a single sentence and it's like, you are 50 characters over the limit. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> I don't even say this? hello. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so, oh god, that bothers me. And yeah, it's just yeah, uh, I just feel like Facebook is a better way of getting my thoughts out there. But I feel like I need to use Twitter more because I know there are people who are just on Twitter, and I want to get stuff out there. So that's why I'm curious about this method of posting a link to my Facebook from. Uh, onto Twitter. I've done that where you link anything you post on Twitter will go to Facebook. Mm-hmm. And the for posting links, like the main thing I do use tend to use Twitter for if I do come is either if I do come up with a quick bon mot or if I'm pimping a podcast. Mm-hmm. And if you go to Google has a short link shortener, so you type in like it's G O O dot L E and it will give you a really short link so you have more character space for your actual message. Oh, okay. Awesome. Alright, final question. And I cheated on this one because uh, so this one is not random. I, I picked it because of the subject today. Better previous Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield? Oh, that hurts. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, because you know I literally think about this a lot. I think that Toby was a great Peter Parker, but Garfield was better at being Spider-Man in the suit. He was—he actually got some of the quips out. He had the humor. Um, so if it was in a perfect world, I'd stuff them both in a blender. And, and if I had to pick, I'm going to go with Toby because I like his movies better. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the things Garfield did right. And now both Toby McGuire and Andrew Garfield are going to have their straining orders on you. Yeah. To keep you from putting them in a blender. He wants to put us in a blender. 
<laughs> he said it on a podcast. All right, so you want to put them on a blender and take the best of both, but what would you, who would you say is it was better overall? Uh, Toby. Okay. Like I said, Toby. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. But I it's, it's, it's very, very close. Okay. Now I want to see the episode of Will It Blend? <laughs> With uh, with with Toby and Andrew coming up tonight on Will It Blend? God, pretty much everything Gary just said is what I'm gonna say. Uh, so yeah, Not I gotta go Toby as well. <laughs> right? It's called plagiarism, Will. Plagiarism. <laughs> it's, it's called homage. <laughs> okay, there you go. Be <laughs> French. Right. It's a it's a tribute. I volunteer a tribute. Okay. But yeah, same thing. Like I thought, Toby did better as Peter. But when he was in the suit, he didn't talk enough. He didn't. He wasn't as smart aleck as he should have been. Mm. Where I thought Andrew was a better job of that when he was in the suit. But when Andrew was Peter, he was too mopey. Of course, we'll get into all that in here in a little bit. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I thought on the whole, Toby did a better job. Okay. Uh, speaking really quick, there's a Hunger Games theme park being built in South Korea. I want yeah. to volunteer as tribute. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. Uh, well, fortunately, it's probably I'll, they I'll re- send you care packages. Yeah, they, they probably really make you fight to the death. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um. It's real. <laughs> Let's hear. So, uh, I would say Andrew Garfield for me, and I think my biggest reason for it is simply because I just don't feel like he got that much of a fair shake. I feel mm-hmm. bad because he got two movies and I thought like he was solid. I felt like he was solid as the character. Uh, I felt like the writing uh, needed some work somewhere, but yeah, I really wanted to see a third movie with Andrew Garfield. I really wanted to see like what further depth we could get from him from both being Peter Parker as well as being Spider-Man. Cause I agree. I think he was a great Spider-Man. I think, Toby Maguire was probably a better Peter Parker. Uh, similar when we talk about Batman's, I won't even go down that rabbit hole right now. But uh, yeah, like uh, uh, yeah, Andrew Garfield. All right, I'm gonna have to go with uh, Nicholas Hammond from 1977's <laughs> Spider-Man TV series. Yes, who had That's... bracelets and a belt on the outside. Oh, it's the salt and pepper shaker eyes that make it. Yes. I, I still prefer the Japanese Spider-Man if we're going to go to TV, but... <laughs> oh, I was about to mention that. He's <laughs> got the giant robot. <laughs> Good stuff. It's yeah. hands down the best thing I've ever seen. Uh, yes. Oh, I love that. But anyway. All right. No, Joe, you, you only have two choices here, Toby or Andrew. Uh, then I'll, I'll, I'll go with Toby because I was promised... Gary, you remember this? <laughs> I was promised, and and I'm sure all, uh, most of you do. Will, uh, um, we were promised a Spider-Man movie in Starlog magazine in like 1989. <laughs> yes, and yep. Toby finally gave it to us. So, Toby, for Jim, me. What Jim Cameron going to have something to do with it? Yes. Yeah. Oh god, I remember when Wizard Magazine did the April Fool's prank where they had like a movie advertisement for the Spider-Man movie. This is in the late 90s with uh, starring uh, Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. And people thought it was real. <laughs> James Cameron directed Spider-Man movie. Yeah, I mean, it was just so far-fetched that we would actually get a Spider-Man movie for mm. decades. And then the fact that we finally got one. So... Toby. All right. Yeah. Um, for me, actually, it is Andrew Garfield. I feel like 
because it is a Spider-Man movie and not just Peter Parker and his daily life movie, I feel like the Spider-Man element was really important, and I feel like that's he he nailed that. And even though, you know, uh, Spider-Man comics have always focused a lot on Peter's life, I feel like in a movie, uh, getting the Spider-Man portion of it right is a little more important than in a serialized comic. And I really think that Amazing Spider-Man 2 wasn't a bad movie. I know that I am a minority there, (laughs) but uh, I I, I didn't like the first Amazing Spider-Man movie that much, but I thought by 2 they were kind of getting a handle on things, and I really enjoyed how everything sort of came together in that movie. I didn't enjoy every part of the movie. Uh, and I think that the uh, Green Goblin definitely needed some work there. But but yeah, I liked Andrew in that, and I would have liked to have seen more with him. But having read the uh, little notes that they've posted recently about what that third Amazing Spider-Man movie would have been about, I'm a little glad that we didn't go there. But anyway... <laughs> You know, see, and I was going to say, Dane DeHaan is one of the things I actually really enjoyed about Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2. I liked his Harry Osborn. Mm. Yeah, I feel and, like I want to. I, I want those actors to get another shot mm-hmm. in like some other Marvel thing. Yeah, it could happen. And also give them credit for actually, you know, doing what y'all we all knew they had to do when they made Gwen Stacy a character. Yeah. Because that is something that I think that they, that Raimi, I don't think Raimi ever understood Spider Man very well and trying to sort of imitate Okay, the now scene. there's fighting words. Okay. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm going to jump through this telephone. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like trying to do the famous scene, but with Mary Jane, but then not have somebody die, well, I feel like now, was a huge Now, there, there you go. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, it was a huge <laughs> issue. But um, anyway. <laughs> So that's the end of five questions. Yay! Yay! It will never happen again. <laughs> You're right. Yes, because then it will be questions six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. Uh, that's right. <laughs> all right. So before we dive into the topic, let's take a break for this promo from another fine podcast. ESO. Seven years of keeping it really geeky. What are you trying to do? You ruined my record, man. I just bought it. Hey, you guys! How exciting. (laughs) Spoilers. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Have fun storming the castle. Think it'll like? It would take a miracle. Goodbye. The Earth Station One podcast. It's time to let your inner geek out to play. You can find them at www.earthstationone.com or up on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Peace, and we're done. And we're back. 
And like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, we are talking about Spider-Man Homecoming this week. So uh, just wondering how and don't don't let's not get too deep into it at this point. In Spider-Man movies in the six that we have now, where would you write? You don't have to necessarily give a number, but kind of the top, the bottom, the middle. Where would everybody place Homecoming? I would place Homecoming at the top for myself. Like I, I felt like it had probably some of the best writing we've been able to experience in Spider-Man. As far as as far as this version of Spider-Man, for sure, mm-hmm. I felt like Tom Holland was a great representation between both the Peter Parker side of the character and the Spider-Man side of the character. Like I felt like he just fit the bill on both ends of it. Yeah, I, I, I put it definitely at the top for me as well. Um, it had a great mix of everything that makes Spider-Man great. You know, he had his 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 worries about high school, but it didn't weigh down the plot. You know, he enjoyed being Spider-Man. You know, the stakes were high, but not save the world high. You know, it was more of a personal story, you know, near the end of the movie. Um, it was just overall just a fun, fun movie. And uh, it was it was a welcome, a welcome uh, addition. But yeah, I loved it. At best, second to the first Tobey Maguire movie. Okay. Yeah, because the, that one's still the, the high watermark for me. The the other Tobys kind of fell off progressively <laughs> as, as they went, and I'm I'm saying just just from the gut, I'm I'm putting it second to uh, the the first Toby Maguire movie. Okay. I put it second behind Spider Man Two. I uh, that for me is the high point of Spider Man movies. I think that one, you know, it, for like. It was just great to have Spidey back where he belongs in the Marvel Universe. So that gives it a lot of credit. I would have liked to have seen a little more Spider-Man action. I would have liked to... I I loved the idea of the AI in the suit giving him someone to talk to. Mm. But at the same time, for me, it kind of undercuts... Peter Parker is a genius and came up with all these different ways to use the webbing on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I've got a few minor flaws with the movie. It's still a solid eight and a half or a nine for me, but Spider- Amazing Spider-Man 2 is a, is, is a perfect 10 pretty much for me. Well, nine and a half, nine and three quarters. Wait, wait, Amazing Spider-Man 2 or just Spider-Man 2? No, no, 2? Spider-Man 2, the one oh, okay. with Doc Ock. Right, okay, that's what I thought. And uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it's definitely on the high end. I had some niggling problems with it as well, but I don't cat- categorize any of the Spider-Man movies that we've had so far as 10 of a- out of 10. But uh, yeah, I mean, same thing with you. Uh, I did not like the AI uh, so much. I would have preferred that they left that for whenever the you know he actually gets into the Iron Spider, which will probably be in... Uh, Infinity War and just let him be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man because I mean why give Spider-Man a kill mode in the first place you know because Tony Stark is the biggest villain in the Marvel (laughs) right Jennifer (laughs) I hear you fist pumping from here (laughs) (laughs) but it's weird to me because it feels like every time we go to Spider-Man, you know, every time they reboot it, they feel like we've got to change everything. And so let's take the aspects the previous one ignored and let's, you know, create these whole new aspects that, you know, no one's ever done before. Because uh, for me, one of the core concepts of Spider-Man is that in general, people misunderstand him and think that he's a bad guy. And we got that probably the best in the Garfield version. Uh, it definitely wasn't in the Maguire version at all, other than Jonah. 
you know, whereas they're giving him the keys to the city and, you know, everything else. And in this one, it was more like people just kind of ignored him or thought he was kind of pathetic. But, like, for instance, when he uh, solves the, uh, the or he uh, thwarts the crime by the guys in the Avengers masks, which was a beautiful scene, you know, and, and the other building blows up, I thought for sure, oh yeah, people are going to blame it on Spider-Man. They're going to think he did it. And that wasn't in this at all. And, and I kind of missed that aspect because I think that's kind of important for his character is that everything is always going against him, but he still fights and, you know, he still always does the right thing. Uh, and, and I kind of miss that uh, aspect of the character. But here I am going into a little more detail than I should. But yeah, the, I for me, it's on the high end. It is probably my favorite, uh, though, of the different versions because they they got to get into the character aspects uh, a bit more of both Spider-Man and Peter Parker. And I feel like they were true to a lot of those aspects. So I definitely uh, did enjoy that. And he had, I in my opinion, the best villain that we've seen so far in a Spider-Man movie. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> we, we had the Green Goblin done right, even though he was called the Vulture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, because I've heard people argue about this. Do you guys feel like it was a very Norman Osborne-y feel? He, kind of, but the, I, I really like the way they did him. And is anyone besides me now ready for him to play old Bruce Wayne in Batman Beyond? Yes. Yes. But I've been ready for that for 10-ish years, so... <laughs> yeah, but now he really looks the part. Yes. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I, I, I like the fact that he, he was only Norman Osborn in that he was a businessman. He wasn't the 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 upper crust businessman like uh, Osborn should be. But he was. it was very nice to see a blue-collar guy and as the villain i'm just trying to make money from to keep my family afloat Mm. yeah uh he was right (laughs) the vulture was right in spider-man homecoming he he, everything he did was for a good reason (laughs) and a lot of times with villains you know well they're just jerks not Mm. really in this one the vulture was absolutely correct to do pretty much everything he did well, and what what I liked about him as well is he wasn't like a mustache twirling, ha ha, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to get you Spider-Man villain. He was just doing his own thing. You know, he wasn't even actively trying to get Spider-Man. He was just doing his own thing business-wise, and Spider-Man got in his way, you know. Yeah. And so I thought that was pretty pretty cool little aspect of it. You know, he wasn't necessarily a Spider-Man rogues gallery villain so much as he was uh, just trying to make a living, you know? Yeah, I uh, for me, the, one of the reasons why I say that he's a very Norman Osborne-y villain isn't necessarily his income. It's that you get those same kind of scenes of Peter showing up at the house and the realization oh. that this is the guy I've been fighting and for the guy to finally realize that Peter is Spider-Man and all of that. There was a very... Those... Vi- I mean, that there, there have been scenes with Norman Osborne just like that, like in the 70s Spider-Man comics. So, uh, and, yeah. and in the Spider-Man cartoons and various incarnations. So, for me, I got a very strong feeling, and I liked that, this whole idea of he's someone that's involved in Peter's personal life. Now, now instead of being with his best friend, it's with the, the girl that he likes, but it's still that same sort of feeling of the villain that's so closely connected to his own identity. But yeah, and then there's all the extra stuff, too, with the whole, you know, way that he basically... Uh, oh, what's the right word? He basically chastises Tony Stark for being this guy that basically operates above everybody else, and that he respects Peter for being a blue-collar Joe like himself. He's like, you know, I, I don't want to hurt you, kid. 
because, you know, we got to look out after our own. And just all of that stuff I felt like was really, really good dramatic you know, material there. That scene in the car where he puts it together and has that conversation with Pete mm. is one of the most intense scenes I've seen in a movie. Yeah. It oh, was yeah. Because it was so personal staked. And it was such a, look, kid, you did me a favor, so I'm going to do you a favor. And I also like the fact he was smart enough to call his thug, apparently, to come and hang out at the in case, he, in case Pete didn't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. that, uh, that, I love that. He was smart. He wasn't just a, a raving lunatic. Plus, it was a fantastic, just out of left field moment when, you know, because they, they focused it on Peter for a while enough to where, you know, you, you they kind of put Voltron back burner. And then he goes to pick up her for the dance and bam, there's a, there's a dad. And you're like, oh, my gosh, where'd this come yeah, from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was, uh, that was brilliant. I was going to mention that. Did I tried desperately to not spoilerize myself before the movie. So that was a shock. Yeah, when I love it. I, so what about uh, did it, did anybody else know that was happening when when it I mean did you guys know beforehand going in that was going to be no. the, the, okay no, I good. had no idea yeah uh, I had a suspicion just because I noticed that they weren't saying Liz's last name, and he kept talking about his family and everything, and I was like, oh, wouldn't that be messed up if, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, it was like, yeah, that's how it's all going to come together, you know, once the door opens. It's like, yeah, no, yep. So I, I kind of, but that's because I, I do sometimes try to think strange and just figure out how, what what's the most messed up way that this can proceed, so... <laughs> that Parker luck. Yeah. Oh, the Parker luck. <laughs> and the look on his face <laughs> for the pictures and everything. <laughs> and <it's> just, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he played that really well. Yeah, and, and that, that does, is one of the other reasons I really love this movie, is not only did we get a smart, effective villain, one of the best villains of the MCU's given us in a while, mm. they don't kill him. Oh, God, I was so happy right. about that. because I thought, Oh, me too. I thought at the end, the way that he just, like, you know, he, he was down, I thought, oh, he's dead. You know, and through no fault of mm-hmm. Peter's, because he tried to warn him. But I was like, he's dead. But thankfully, they show, no, he is alive. You know, he ties him up for the police, and then we get that uh, credit scene. The wonderful note, and, and the post-credit scene. Well, it, that and that's pure Spider-Man, leaving the note for the cops. Mm-hmm. And then I love the fact that, that Toombs is like, you know, keeping it personal. It's like, yeah, I know who he is, but I'm not going to tell anybody else. That's a very comic book thing. Well, and oh, that, yeah. again, it's another th- thing that reminded me of Norman Osborn, because Osborn has known for a very long time, and for a large period of that time, didn't tell anyone else what he knew. Because for him, it was, if I'm going to do that, you know, I'm going to take care of this myself kind of thing. And I like yeah, that. Yeah, but, but uh, with Norman, he crazy. Right. Yeah. That was the, that was the difference. <laughs> yeah. So, do we think Scorpion is going to actually show up as a full fledged villain, or was that just the tattoo oh, so. as sort of a uh, just a kind of a callback or an Easter egg? I hope so. He's one of my favorite villains. No. And I want to oh, see some yeah. guy running around in a silly green suit with a tail that shoots <laughs> energy bolts. And and more than that, like stuck in it. Yeah. Yes. When I Sp- there were so many people Spidey fights him and Rhino. Right. <laughs> What's what's the deal with people being stuck in costumes? How do they go to the bathroom? How do they get... These are questions (laughs) I asked when I first read the stories, and I'm still asking today. How do they go to the bathroom? It's a recycle system. Everybody knows that. Come on. (laughs) He stores the waste matter in the tail and turns it into energy. (laughs) Yeah, the methane. (laughs) 
So James, we've been kind of talking a bit here. What did you think of Tombs? I loved him. First off, it's Batman. Yeah. Being a bad guy. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. many memes. Immediately so. Like as soon as that announcement was made, I was like, I don't care, it's Batman being a bad guy. I'm in. Yeah, no, I I felt like I feel like we're kind of in a renaissance era for the actor. Like he's mm. been making kind of a comeback in, in, in the film world and and getting away from, you know, these terrible movies he made like multiplicity. <laughs> yeah. He's you know, we've seen him, you know, in This is the Vulture, we've seen him as uh Harvey Birdman. <laughs> And he's done these, like, really amazing roles, because the thing is, a lot of people, like, gave that movie a hard time, but I was like, it's so well done, though. Like, you you can throw shade at it all you want, but he acts it so good. I like Tombs, like, just as you guys said, like, I thought he was this really great sympathetic character, like, you know, the and, and I felt like his character spoke to not just a lot of things, kind of, that we see happening now, but things that we've seen happen in America before, you know, things that we've seen with people who are, you know, kind of small business owners who are trying to make their own way. Um, as said, kind of that blue collar aspect. And then, you know, Mr. Government steps in and goes, Hey, sucks to be you. We're putting you out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, so he just kind of found a way to like, I, I got to survive. And, you know, you know, I got, I got to provide for my family and not just his family, but like these, these are my guys. Like this is, no. these guys are kind of family for me and they got to provide for theirs. Like, you're going to just take that away. Oh no, no, no. That's not how this works. Well, and especially so I want to touch on that. If we can for a second about the fact that he was able to operate in the shadows for so long under the nose of the Avengers and everybody. And it really does kind of put that thing that one of the things I love about Marvel comics is those different levels. Yeah. You got the Avengers up here and you got spider-man and daredevil down here yeah i just wish that we could cross those over (laughs) yeah i felt i felt like i said i felt like he was a sympathetic character that you know the the average viewer could relate to Mm -hmm. in a lot of different ways i felt like you know we got to see like the the that crossing point for him where it was no longer just business it was like it it was like this personal offense if anybody like kind of came at him we see that with the first guy who's just like, I'm out. Maybe I'll just go do on my own. And he's just like, oh, oh, that's not how this works. Not at all. I can't have you ruin this for everybody here. And, you know. But he didn't mean to kill that guy. Right, it was an incident. <laughs> but, like, really have a second thought. Even after he finds out, like, like once it happens, he's like, I thought, I thought that was the gravity thing. And he's just like, no. And he's just like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I was just like, what? You just, you just vaporized the guy. And you're just like, oh, well. <laughs> so, I mean, it's clear. it was clear that, like, definitely he would go to whatever lengths. I mean, even at that point in that conversation in the car that he has with Peter, mm-hmm. you know, he, he gets, you know, like, you don't, you treat her well. You don't come between me and my business. We won't have a problem. Mm-hmm. So I really liked that aspect of the character. And as said, like, very much that post credit scene of, like, you you think if I knew who he was that I wouldn't have gone after him myself to like kill him like come on mm-hmm. um, I did I loved that aspect um, because we don't we don't see that with any other villain in the universe that's just like well now it's personal you know it, it, it always ends up turning into like a team up or I'm gonna go you know spread the word to everybody kind of business so I yeah I just I love I love this villain I love this villain so much, and I do hope that we get to see more of him down the road. Yeah. 
So what do you guys think of the Uncle Ben controversy? The fact that they didn't mention him at all because right. we know by now. <laughs> my God. Well, I swear. at the same time. I was ready to shoot Uncle Ben myself. Okay. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, I say, I say this. Oh, mic drop. <laughs> I feel like they could have mentioned him, name-dropped him, without going through the whole story. And I think that that would have been fitting, because it almost seems like... Because all that that we get is Peter saying something like, May's going through a difficult time right now. But the way that she's sort of portrayed, it's sort of like... It doesn't look like she's grieving for someone at all. So, I, I don't know, it almost feels like they're saying Uncle Ben doesn't exist in this universe. I get the impression it's more of like, it's been a while, and she may be one of those people who's dealing with grief by not dealing with it. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. And well, I have I to liked- quote, and I have to just quote uh, Weird Al's wonderful song, um, Birth of a Superhero, I think is his, but the song about the first sight, Ram movie, he's like, you know, he's, uh, he's quoting that line by Uncle Ben again, if you miss it the first time, don't worry, they'll mention it again and again and again. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I was too. I'm glad. I'm glad that Uncle Ben. I mean, he, he, but maybe a mention or two here and there, maybe a quick flashback or whatever. But I'm so glad that he wasn't prominently featured in the movie because I remember when they announced they were going to reboot it again with uh, with Marvel. Of course, my first reaction is yay Marvel, but the second reaction was oh good lord, do we need to see Uncle Ben die again? <laughs> no, please, no. We've already seen him. I mean, the entire world who, who's not even people who aren't even a Spider-Man fan knows. Oh man, they're going to kill Uncle Ben again? What? What's going on? We know he's got to die. You know, we don't need to see it again and again. Yeah, I felt like I felt like this movie actually felt like it was pushing forward, mm-hmm. right. even though it was only the second movie technically with Spider-Man, this MCU Spider-Man in it. I felt like we we've pushed further already mm. than the previous five movies. <laughs> we, so so yeah, I dug that. Mm. Yeah, I just felt like uh, instead of just saying, you know, May's dealing with some stuff, you, you could have just said something like, you know, ever since Uncle Ben died or something like that, you know, May's been dealing with some stuff, would have added like two words to the uh, script. And I, I would have felt a lot better about it just because I feel like that moment is so important for who he is that I wanted acknowledgement that it did happen because I... I don't i don't know i it seemed to me like they were trying to like erase him from the he like he doesn't exist in this version of spider-man but see, well, here, but here's see, a question no but see to me that just that that speaks to it that, that doesn't insult the audience to me mm-hmm. because they have acknowledged it uh, about thirteen thousand times in two movies and you know every other uh five issues of the comic they acknowledge uncle ben because that's that's the ultimate motivating factor behind spider-man you know if uncle ben didn't die there'd be no spider-man but we know we we know this is true so i like the fact that you know what peter when peter has his conflict and his 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 inner conflict and he has to get through it and whatever it's not because oh gosh what would uncle ben do you know it was I need to find a way to get through this and and persevere on my own. Yeah, I mean, to a degree, I mean, we that that's what we get from uh, Tony Stark. I mean, Tony Stark kind of takes on the pseudo Uncle Ben role in this movie of, sure. you know, with great power comes great responsibility. When it comes, and not so much his own powers, but more like you know the abilities that the suit gives him. The fact that you know he put in all of these designs to block him. You know, he 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 had it on training wheels mode. <laughs> 
was so great because you know and as he tells and i don't know i almost prefer it more because i i agree i think it was so overused like we've seen it in so many different like spider-man things the whole like you know you know peter with great power comes great responsibility and then ben dying and creating that conflict for peter where he really starts to feel the weight of that burden the weight of that power I felt like we we did get that to to a lot of degrees though in even this version of Spider-Man and the fact that once he doesn't have the suit uh, as I said he has to figure it out like he has you know he if he really wants to be a hero he has to find that strength from within himself somehow so I don't know I was all right without with with, with there not being anything about Uncle Ben for me like even even a tip of the hat I mean it would be fine if they did it at some point but I just, I don't know. I never felt like it was a necessity at the time. Hmm. Who would you have got, what Marissa Tomei level actor would you have gotten to die in this movie? Uh, no, no, I, I, no I, I don't want them to actually show it. I just said a mention and acknowledgement that he existed. Because, I mean, this version of Peter, until the very end, doesn't seem like he has the whole responsibility aspect. It seems more like he just wants to get into the Avengers. It's only at the end when he loses, you know, everything, you know, and he he doesn't have the suit and everything else that it's kind of like he comes to that sort of realization of responsibility that this is something that only he can do because he knows where this guy is and he knows what he's going to do. And, you know, that's when he sort of takes it on. Like maybe had there been that parallel between Uncle Ben and Tony Stark. Yeah. You see, I was just about to say that. I think that a big chunk of this is driven by the ghost of Uncle Ben, even if he's not mentioned, because Pete is so desperate for a father figure, and he sees one in Tony, and is latched onto him desperately. I mean, a good chunk of the movie, his character arc is trying to prove himself to Tony, so that he can get that fatherly approval that he lost when Ben died. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, because Pete's biggest driving forces are guilt and determination he does not know how to give up right and i thought the movie did that part of it very well at the end when they did the bit from the comics where he had all the rubble on him Mm -hmm. i don't think they did that quite a hundred percent perfectly but they did it well enough that i was okay with it especially when he dropped his mask in the water and they let us do that classic Mm -hmm. shot of half speeder half the mask oh yeah i thought that was nicely done i thought that was a beautiful moment so i don't think it hurt not to have been because we are so familiar. It's like watching uh, Bruce Wayne's parents die over and over and over <laughs> again. It's like, we know, we get it by now. Now, in the next movie, yeah, he, they had better at least name drop Ben. Mm-hmm. But I'm fine with it not being in this one. Wait, wait. Bruce Wayne had parents? <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> what was Apparently. his mother's name? Apparently, he had like a swinging guy's holding a gun. <laughs> Uh, just, just as a quick aside, have you guys seen the meme with Godzilla and King Kong fighting? And <laughs> you, and I think it's uh, Godzilla who says, you've got to save Mar- Mothra. <laughs> Why did you say that name? <laughs> so good. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So, I know Gary already weighed in on it, and so did I. How did you, uh, the rest of you guys feel about the the super suit, basically, uh, for Peter? Uh, I felt like, well, we, we got n- n- Sans' super suit at the end of the movie. I felt like Spotty with a high-tech gadget suit was something he had not... But but eh, I'm I'm of two minds. Okay. At, at one point, story story wise, I felt like well he had not earned the suit yet mm-hmm. because we had not really seen him without it. 
But then, at the same time, as we've all been talking about, we've seen him without it for five movies. Mm. And then secondly, the actual storyline of him with the high-tech suit is that he is trying to earn it. So I think I've, I've I sort of, uh, as I'm watching the movie, my my own criticisms, it answered my own criticisms. Mm. Well, and plus, it, 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 to me, it drew a good parallel with Tony from Iron Man 3. You know, in that Tony had to find a way to be a hero without the suit, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I saw the same thing with Peter in this movie in that he was letting the suit become the hero. And he he was using the suit as more of a crutch. Or he didn't have to be as good of a of a person as he could be because he could always just rely on the suit to bail him out. You know, he could literally tell the suit to be the hero. You know, um, and it was only when he lost the suit that he realized who he could be and how good of a person and a hero that he could be, and that he earned the suit back. But yeah, I thought it was I thought it was an effective storytelling tool in that hey, here's what you could here's what you can have. But you got to prove it. You got to prove yourself to be worthy enough to get it. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, the suit for me, like it really, like initially, it kind of wore on me a little bit because I was just like, eh, what? Like really, powers and Hmm. abilities and stuff beyond just being Spider Man. Yeah. But it did grow on me over time, just uh, to to the point mentioned, like the fact that he didn't know how to use any of these features um, and wasn't really prepared for it, and then started kind of just letting the suit dictate how he would approach a situation, things like that. So, I mean, I did like it. I I did come to, by the end, feeling like his usage of the suit and and having this, you know, this this tech suit, you know, with all these abilities is kind of a precursor for his ability to use the Iron Spider suit Mm -hmm. uh, down the road and be more familiar with it. Because, I mean, I think regardless of 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 anything that we saw, like that's the eventuality. Like that's what's we're leading up to at right. some point. Infinity War. But I mean Yeah, yeah. Um and I I did enjoy I mean, I enjoyed the AI system. Um, I thought she was pretty cleverly done for the most part. It re- it, it was very reminiscent of like a like a female version of Jarvis, and I was okay with that for the most part. Like I was because I enjoyed Jarvis. I was actually really sad when it was like, oh no, Jarvis is now just Vision, and I was like, but but I like Paul Bettany's voice as Jarvis. Why would <laughs> why would you take that away? So I did think I I thought it was clever. I did I did enjoy the movie more. I think when yeah the suit was gone when he had to just rely on him and he had to figure it out and he had to rely on just you know his i have a sweatshirt and some weird kind of gadgety stuff i put together that may or may not work who knows i i always love that because even going back to like the early like spider-man animated series there were always times where like you know spider-man's web shooter would run out of webbing and he'd be out of cartridges and no he's falling and i felt like we got to that we got to have the possibility of that um when peter went back to just trying to be a masked hero yeah as a story point i really liked it uh, as a as a story device of giving pete someone to talk to while he's spider-man so it gave us some dialogue mm-hmm. which was nice and i did like the kind of as everybody else has touched on that character arc of having to re-earn it and we also got some great gags out of the, would you like to be an intimidation mode? <laughs> yeah you, you haven't done this much, have you, <laughs> or something like that? Yeah, the um, Jarvis didn't smack talk. 
Yeah. <laughs> so this was a this was a bonus. Yeah, I, I don't. I just felt like when the 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 theme of the movie at the end is uh, of Spider Man as the as the working man's hero, for him to have this high tech suit was kind of that that Tony Stark had put together for him was kind of counter to what you know the the whole thrust of it. I was actually hoping when Tony took it away that Peter would just end up making his own suit that looked kind of like it, but didn't have any of the tech stuff in it to show that he didn't need it. And and so there was no, you know, I mean, I get that the point was he didn't need it. So Tony was like, because you don't need it, I will give you all these advantages anyway. But, you know, I, I, I would have liked it for it to end with Peter as, you know, saying I, I, I'm going to put all this stuff. We're not just the Avengers membership. I don't need the high tech stuff either. See, I'm going to disagree with you there because I don't think it was a matter of him needing it, not needing it as much as the suit was very much tied into his character arc of being a kid and learning to grow up mm. and playing with things he didn't really understand. And that was him reaching maturity, was him realizing, I can do this without the suit. I can't, and having the suit's great, but, you know, I mean, the whole training wheels thing. Right, right. It's like, you know, don't mess with that. You're not ready for that. But I am an adult. I can <laughs> do it. Well, I love <laughs> all the character stuff between him and Tony. As Tony, I mean, we talked about maybe Peter looking at Tony as a, as a father, but I think it's more apparent that Tony views Peter as a son. Because he even says, you know, my father and I had a horrible relationship and I'm trying to stop the cycle. You know, so, so it's almost like Tony looks at Peter like this is my adopted child. And once you get through all the post-traumatic stress that he's gone through, the fact that he and his best friend have just almost killed each other, you know, a month or two beforehand, and you see that this man desperately is trying to keep this kid that he sees a bit of himself in safe. And that just adds this whole level to everything that happens between the two of them, even though he wasn't in every scene of the movie like the previews would have made you think. He still kind of dominates the the scenes between them kind of dominate the movie just because of that, because, you know, of how important, you know, they are they are to each other. And I really I really loved that relationship dynamic. I do like the fact that it felt like Tony was a guest star in a Spider-Man movie, not that it was Spider-Man guest starring in an Iron Man movie or an issue of Spider-Man team up with Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because that. Really could they really could have gone overboard with that? You know, well, we know people like Tony Stark, right? Well, and that's what the previews made it look like is that this was really Iron Man four guest starring Spider Man. Yeah, so I, I like the fact that they made him a shadow and an influence without giving him a lot of screen time. Yeah, here's the thing: when we first heard that Spider Man was going to be uh, made by the MCU, that Sony had had lent him back to them. I really wanted the Spider-Man movie to be Spider-Man Civil War. I was hoping Civil War is going to be like a two-movie thing. We're going to have Captain America Civil War, and then we're going to have Spider-Man Civil War, and it's going to be the whole idea of first Spider-Man's on Tony's side, and then when it gets to Spider-Man, we get the whole Spider-Man goes to Cap's side, and it would have been a completely different movie than what we got. Mm. But... Now, having seen the movie that we got, I'm perfectly fine with the movie that we got because they did need to establish their version of Spider-Man. And like I say, I miss aspects. You know, I I wish we had more of the Spider-Man persecuted aspect. But the fact of the matter is, this is a version of Spider-Man who debuted basically as fighting with the Avengers. Um, So this is a very different... They can always do that in the next movie. Well, that's true. But it's also true, though, that this Spider-Man's core 
force is different from the Spider-Man in the comics that I know. And so they've created a version of the Spider-Man that fits in with the MCU and the MCU timeline that they've established. So yeah, this is a Spider-Man that has a support system that he never had Mm -hmm. in the movies or really the comics either. Right. He didn't have a guy at the computer. To, yeah. <laughs> to to walk yeah, through here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was watching porn. <laughs> <laughs> well, plus the way he was the way he was introduced in Civil War, you know, Tony's the one that brought him in. Yeah. You know, Tony's the one that uh, introduced him to this to this crazy world and then so to me that that helped to set up the relationship in Homecoming because that gave Tony that that responsibility to make sure that he that Peter is prepared properly and groomed properly to when he gets back in that world, he's not going to make the same mistakes that Tony did. Mm-hmm. You know, Tony carries that level of responsibility because, you know, it's his fault he's in there, you know, so. Yeah. Well, I can also see this being something under, I mean, Spider-Man, I can easily see, you know, he was doing stuff on YouTube, when to- which is how Tony found him. Mm-hmm. And he goes and does this one thing with Tony, with Captain America. And I can see that being something that they kind of keep under wraps. And he's doing all this, you know, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man stuff. I can easily see the second movie be, you know, he's gotten more exposure. And then this guy who runs a newspaper decides to start a vendetta. No, mm. no, we could definitely see that. And that would even lend to the whole idea of Jameson's the one that got the scorpion started. And so if they yeah. pull in the scorpion yeah. thing, you know, that would all sort of dovetail nicely into something somewhat reminiscent of what happened in the comics. So that could be a very cool way to go. As long as it's J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Oh, I, I was just so going to say, I was, <laughs> does it need to be J.K. Simmons? I don't think it needs to be, but if there was a man who was born to play that role, it is J.K. Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, But I am sure, I mean, but that's the thing. Anytime people say, like, this is the only person who can do a role, it's really doing a disservice to all the other talented actors out there because there is probably someone who can give us a take on Jonah that's different than what Simmons did, but is really good in just a different way. I mean, it's the whole, um, oh crap, why am I blanking on his name now? Uh, Joker from The Dark Knight. Um, Heath Ledger. Oh, Heath Ledger. Yeah, when nobody thought, like, oh, well, Jack Nicholson is the Joker. No one else can do this role. And, you know, Heath Ledger, that's going to suck. And then people see Heath Ledger's like, he's not trying to do what Nicholson did at all. But it's still a very good interpretation of, you know, of of the Joker idea, you know, of this character. So I'm I'm sure somebody else could do. Steve Carell. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I can see it. Not Mads Milkison, though. Yeah. Okay. He's in everything now, too. (laughs) So what about the supporting cast? Um, What did we we think of all the different characters? You know, Liz and uh, Michelle and Ned (laughs) and all of them. All right, so I got to get this off my chest. As I I loved her character up until the MJ reveal, and I'm like, wait, really? Mm -hmm. It just like... It, it, it just felt like a fall. Uh, it felt like too much of a. Ah? Ah? <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. I, it, it, and my problem with it is completely that it's you can cast whoever you want to be Mary Jane, but yeah, I have no problem with the actress. Right. It was just the way it was done. Right. But you should have the character act like Mary Jane. You know, the appearance is not important, but she should be Mary. She should be the party girl. She should be the, you know, the, the nightlife, you know, uh, life of the party type person. That was not the character of Michelle. It was not the, you know, cynical wallflower, uh, Michelle. That was not MJ. So that, that upset me. Cause I hate when they do that, when they just throw a name at a character, but they don't make that character act the way the the character should. 
and, and you're right, it was just for that, eh? The only thing I did like about it, though, is because every iteration of Spider-Man we've gotten outside of the comics, cartoons, uh, movies, every other version until now, they have lost one of the important factors of Mary Jane, which is that she knew all along that Peter was Spider-Man. And from the way Michelle was talking in this movie, I'm convinced that she knows that Peter is Spider-Man. And that was the one thing where I felt like, finally, <laughs> a version of MJ that knows. And doesn't yeah. care. Right. <laughs> yeah, and she is, she was a great character. She was so good. She didn't, the thing is, she didn't have to be MJ. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Right. Just a new supporting character for Spider-Man that's a completely original for this movie series. Yep, That would have been fine, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only other nitpick I had with the supporting cast is I wish they would have kept Flash Thompson be the football jock. Yeah. Simply because you've got that great that great uh, playoff between the science nerd versus the football jock, you know, and, and you know, that, that trope's always going to exist no matter when the story takes place timeline-wise, um, yep. what decade it takes place. And so that would have been... A cool thing to see, you know, once again, you know, the nerd wins out over the bully, blah, blah, blah. But I think, you know, with the Flash that they created, the actor did a great job with it. Personal preference, I wish they would have kept the old Flash. Well, yeah, I just felt like having him call Peter a few names was a really weak sauce form of bullying. And, and, I, and I agree with you. I feel like they should have had a more intimidating version of Flash. Because, again, I, I feel like this version of Peter hasn't gotten the crap that Peter, you know, should have. You know, and either a Spider-Man right. or Peter. It's like, okay, yeah, this Flash just calls him a few names. It's not really that that big of a deal so i don't know i felt that he was kind of weak oh I, w- I was kind of on on the same track but i i liked the uh, i liked the new flash because it was kind of it, w- it was like the new bullying yeah, he was in, yeah he was in flat he was in he was not outside parker's peer group he was one of them mm-hmm. and he was a goober within that group <laughs> He was he was a he was a Flash who was a big nerd like the rest of them, but he it, it was just different. It was uh, it was very it it was as uh, um it was pushing the Flash idea forward really. That that's that, that was my uh, thinking on it. And unlike the MJ thing, that was an aspect of Flash. Right. They did Flash in that guy. They didn't just stick the name Flash on him like they did with MJ. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. And he was he's definitely a modern bully. I liked him, uh, but he, we I did miss the core concept of Flash being that Pete could wipe his, you know, he, he could clean his clock at any time mm-hmm. he wanted to, but he can't because he's got to keep it under wraps. Right. It adds an extra layer to the bullying of, like, I could just knock this guy out. Well, there's the other <laughs> side of Flash that's always really fun, is that Flash absolutely loves Spider-Man and hates yes. Peter. <laughs> and we didn't see yeah. any of that either, which I would have liked. In fact, since Spider-Man took his car, he's probably not so enamored with Spider-Man in this version. <laughs> but, uh... Uh, Jim, you've been quiet. <laughs> <laughs> What about uh, Ned? God, I love Ned. Yes, Ned's I awesome. love Ned. <laughs> yeah, he's the Ned. man of the chair. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, Ned for me was—he was God. He was some of the friends I had mm. in high school. Like, I yeah. mean, he was yeah. just—he was just a, such a relatable character, and I was like, I would be friends with this guy. <laughs> um, I mean, I love the whole moment when he discovers that Peter's Spider-Man, where like he had been there. 
putting together this Death Star. <laughs> I love the and just Death like, Star. All, all is just like, I drop it and it shatters. <laughs> and like, the Lego nerd in me was just like, oh my god, that's so much work. Um, yeah, the fact that he, he's just like, oh my god, you're Spider-Man. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not. Like, I'm in the suit taking it off, but I'm not Spider-Man. Like, I loved every as uh, like aspect of their friendship. Um, the fact that like Ned's trying when they go to the house party, like he's like, I I want to fit in, I want to be cool, and so he's got his hat, and it's just like it, it's not cool. It doesn't fit in whatsoever. I was like, I either was that kid or I know those kids. <laughs> so I just I loved his whole character. I loved his support of Peter. I loved how much he wanted to be a part of spider-man like he he wanted just i'm all in like team spider-man let's do this man you and me we can we could conquer the world um i just i love ned mm. i love him yeah ned was awesome and i don't think touch on the lego death star i don't think p- enough people in my screening really appreciated that <laughs> i think because i was cringing I'm like oh but because that's like a 500 dollars, like three thousand piece oh, yeah. set, you know and that just shattered i'm like oh my oh that's horrible you know <laughs> I mean, but yeah, ned was that's awesome. the it, real it, tragedy then he finally Forget- got his, his dream of being the guy in the chair, and that was awesome. I think that that replaced the death of Uncle Ben <laughs> in this movie. That was that the real star tragedy. With great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> Lego shattered. Exactly. <laughs> never let go of the Death Star. Right. He's he's <laughs> never going to be able to put that back together. <laughs> right. But he was fantastic. Uh, he was a brilliant addition to the Spider-Man, which I know uh, they they pulled him from the Miles Morales run. But he was fantastic, uh, and just Pete need needs a friend because you know we were you were talking about this, Nathan. One of the things is you know Peter Parker's life is a crap sandwich ninety percent of the time, <laughs> and so it's nice to ha- have him have a friend in his his age group. Yeah, yeah, he literally had. N- I mean, I- even in decades of comics, he had no one mm-hmm. and 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 it, it was just uplifting and cathartic for ned to even exist in this well movie. i will i will challenge you on just one aspect joe he had johnny storm that he True. would hang out with there and confide that. with so well it wasn't in his comic usually it was in the uh what was it um strange tales or something like that that they did those stories either strange for. tales or team uh, up. right marvel team yeah. up yeah uh but uh but yeah and and i get it's totally different because johnny was off being busy and peter couldn't go hang out with him anytime but uh it was someone in his age group that he could you know at least talk now, things with someday i really think that's coming to movies and that that's uh that'll happen yeah. for us yeah. it might be 20, <laughs> it might be 2075 but eventually marvel or disney will get all those rights back <laughs> oh yeah i would love to see an animated version of dan slot's human torch spider-man miniseries because that was so good mm. For the other supporting cast, Liz was great. Yeah, I thought Marissa Tomei was fantastic as as oh hot Aunt May. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know. I think the hot Aunt May thing is slightly disturbing and taken a little too far because it's like, <laughs> yeah, she looks good for fifty or whatever she is, but it's not like she's that good looking for everyone to just like be like, oh my god, you know. And speak for yourself. Uh, yes, speak is. for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, it's Marissa Tomei. Yeah, 20 years ago, yeah, I'd be right there with you. Oh my, what? <laughs> what? No. 
How dare you? That's it. I'm kicking you off your own podcast. (laughs) Just get out. (sighs) My Cousin Vinny era? Yeah. No, I I completely agree. Well, in My Cousin Vinny era, she was pretending to be the age she is in this movie. She's got the gray streak and everything. (laughs) Ah, You have proven our point for us, Nathan. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. She's like a fine wine. She gets better with age. Uh, Okay. Okay. And it avoided the old trope of uh, the literal old trope of uh, the the sickly ge- geriatric Aunt May that um, is an albatross around poor Peter's uh, poor Peter's Instead of her being sick, she now in in a, in a way though he really left her hanging pretty much for most of the movie. Yeah. But she did have, in my opinion, the best line of the entire movie. <laughs> The ending line. Very, 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 very. Oh, sure. Yeah. (laughs) What the? Spider Man. Oh, jeez. So, do you guys think they're going to backpedal that in the next movie? I hope not. I really want to see where that goes. Yep. Totally. Because one of my favorite bits of the Straczynski run is when Aunt May found out and proceeded to become a crusader for Spider Man. Hmm. I don't know. I, I personally like secret identities. I feel like too many movies and things nowadays are having the characters, like everyone in their own circle at least knows who they are. So I, I was, I'm was i hoping that he just kind of backpedals it like, oh no, this is like a costume for a party I'm going to or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. she did not see him upside down. Well, on right, yeah, exactly. With Ned, it was like, right. there's no way you can really save that dude. <laughs> but see, but the mm-hmm. anime that they, that they introduced in this movie, I don't think would fall for that. Yeah. You know, because the old trope Aunt May would have fallen for. Okay, Peter, good night. I'm gonna go. To bed. <laughs> but this this Aunt May be like, oh, uh, uh, you know, what's going on here, Peter? You know, call him yeah. out. Yeah, she's an Italian New Yorker with brains. She's not gonna put up with any of this. That's right. Yeah, this is the Aunt May that really I would have liked in the comics forever. <laughs> Um, and n- not just because she was would have been super. Really, she looked more like Mary Jane of the classic comics than. <laughs> than <laughs> But it's not because of her physical appearance, but why must Aunt May be the doddering old crone, you know, forever? In the most recent Spider-Man cartoon, she was um, younger and and not sickly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, why the heck not? And it could be just because, you know, I'm I'm not 18 anymore, and... I like the idea of old people not dying. Right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I mean, the reason they did it though is to just have another thing that was constantly plaguing Peter was that he had to take care of Aunt May because she was so sickly. But you know, that was Stan Lee's thinking. But yeah, I mean, it's been ridiculous because you know the the comics have gone so far, and she's still the same sickly old woman that she always you know one step away from death's door. In fact, when she did finally die, he made a deal with Marvel's version of the devil to bring her back just so that she can be at death's door constantly again so she so she can still so her 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 weeble her feeble enfeebled geriatric body cannot succumb to the sweet mercy of death dear peter please let me die she's had the same bad hit for 48 years just let her go no no aunt may i'm gonna make a deal with the devil no, Peter, just let me Come die. Come on, Peter, the devil for real? Yeah, the devil. It's like the age difference between Ben and Richard Parker is like 20 mm. or 30 years or something because it's like, you know, <laughs> when they showed like Richard, you know, Parker when he dies, you know, Richard Mary, they don't look all that old. But like Ben and May have been that old since Peter went to live with them. You know, like even in flashbacks, <laughs> yeah. it's like... <laughs> 
That's a good. That's a good point. And so was Richard like an oops baby or what? That's what it you seems know? like. <laughs> so. How old were the parents when they had this kid? Like 80? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they should have made it grandparents. I don't know why Stan Lee thought an, an aunt and uncle made more sense, but it should have been like he was living with his grandparents or something if they wanted to do that. But, yeah. Oh, well. Hey, hey, don't you question the wisdom of Stan That's Lee. That's true. I, I shouldn't question the wisdom of Stan Lee, but uh, sometimes. I mean, first Marissa Tomei, now Stan Lee. <laughs> Come on, nigga. Oh, good old Stan. He's also someone that's not going to be with us for much longer. So. Oh, you no, your mouth. No. Oh, I worry about it every day, guys. <sighs> every day. Who is this nation? <laughs> this nation is scroll or what? <laughs> uh, but, um... Past her uh, other supporting cast, uh, I like the teacher. Mm. Yeah, I thought he was pretty funny. <laughs> I'm not going to lose another group of students again or something. Oh, yeah, perfect. <laughs> I'm not going to let a group of students die. Not again. <laughs> I love that guy mostly because I watch him in Silicon Valley, and he is such uh, it's like a polar opposite character for him. Like, he's this, like, devil-worshipping, like, cynical jerk in Silicon Valley. And then you have him as a school teacher. I was like, he's got range. <laughs> he's got range for sure. Did you guys catch <laughs> the shout-out for Betty Brant? Oh, no. yeah. She was, uh, the school, like, you know, the, the school had the, the, like, the kids' news or whatever. She was one of the reporters oh, on the yeah. kids' news. Oh, right. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. But I think, hands down, hands down, my favorite supporting character of the entire movie was Captain America. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the PSAs. <God>. That made <laughs> me... Brilliant. Best post-credit sequence ever done. Just calling us out, man. Just calling us out. <laughs> oh, see, this is the thing, though. I've lately the the after-credit scenes for Marvel have been getting less and less important, and I really wish that they would give us more of the ones like the Thanos reveal at the end of Avengers, where it's like, oh crap, you know, something big's coming, uh, and they seem to be doing more of just or like the, the light uh, humor, or when they. Which I don't even remember now. Which one was it? Where they uh, you see Coulson finding the hammer? Well, that's Iron Man yeah. two. In, see, mm-hmm. w- where's that? Right. Uh, agreed. I, I have to agree, but Spider Man is the perfect place to do that sure. one, and I uh, to do that gag. And we kind of had that gag coming for a right. while, so hopefully the next one will give us more. Yeah, but not just that one. But the, other, the other times that he was in there as well were just yeah. so well done. Yeah, you know. that and the. Which reminds me, the coach was great. I think this guy's like a war criminal now or something. Yeah. But by state law, I'm required to show this. So, so you've got detention. Right. Here's what's gonna happen. Yeah, and that that dude, that 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 actor who played the coach is uh, Hannibal Burris, and he's great in. Well, he's he's stand up is great, but he's great in the movie Daddy's Home with Will Ferrell and Marky Mark, and uh, so top notch. The him. one thing I will say that I feel like was a real missed opportunity with the movie, and it's probably the thing that bothered me more than anything. Because a lot of these things I've mentioned, yeah, I didn't like. I mean, you know, on, on an intellectual level, I didn't like the suit per se, but I felt like it worked within the confines of the movie that they're telling, and you know, stuff like that. The one thing that bothered me was that I. I feel like this is the movie that could have shown us the man on the streets perception of what happened in civil war and the public's thoughts of the Sokovia Accords. And I really, you know, other than the coach just saying, like, I think he's a war criminal now, which was a funny line. I wanted more of what does the public know and what do they think about what's going on between the Avengers and everything else? And I just felt like, you know, either like a news thing in the background or even having some of the kids talk about it or something would have 
would have done something for that because we're not going to get any commentary I think until Infinity War when basically everybody has to come yeah. back together and I would have liked to have seen something well, in we, the middle we might get something in Black Panther yeah but it's another country so yeah. I don't think it's going to be that, that well, integrated it into be, it though, it could be though that in, in a way I think I think that fits and I didn't really think about this until you mentioned mm-hmm. it because in the Marvel comics Nothing, everything that happens, you know, invasions, Galactus, everything else, and New York City keeps on chugging. Mm-hmm. These guys just keep, you know, g- g- getting up and going to work the next day. And maybe the Spider-Man Homecoming was their way of showing that uh, no matter what happens, you know, we, we don't, we, uh, the, the humanity is not really affected that much by the superhero community. Well, plus, these are high school kids. Right. But yeah. high school kids are usually very opinionated on things that are going on in the world and, you know, politics and everything else. So Their teenagers were different from mine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't pop culture, they didn't care. Mm. <laughs> so I think maybe, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, but, but maybe superheroes are the pop culture now. So I see your point. Yeah, because I... Because, you know, you're right. In comics, people still get up and do, you know, go about their lives. But, you know, usually there's a lot of commentary on it. I mean, that's where you get, like, the sort of anti-superhero element that runs strong in Marvel and a lot of these other things where people are like, they cause so much damage, they do this, they do that. And so I, I kind of liked that sort of, like, you know, what does the average person in this world think kind of stuff. No, I did like, I think the, the best most my, the my, a minute example of that was the guy on the street sees Spider-Man and goes, hey, do a flip. Right. <laughs> Perfect. Yep. Yeah, I, I did mean, love that montage of friendly neighborhooding Spider-Man, especially exactly. when that guy turned to be his own car. He got a churro. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that was the best, though, yeah, when he thinks the guy's wrong. <laughs> They're trying to break into the car. <laughs> I have to get to work. <laughs> oh, it's so sad. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, and I love though that Tony is faithfully listening to all the messages, even though Happy can't stand him and is blowing him off. Tony's like, "Why don't you go help that woman that gave you the churro?" <laughs> you know? Well, and I did like that though because that's very much the adult, uh, uh, the kids' eye view of adults of I'm just putting up with you because I have to. Mm-hmm. And it was nice that we got the mea culpa at the end. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and Tony even like forwarded on Peter's concerns to the FBI. You know, I mean, so it's like, yeah, I I liked that as well, because you're seeing everything from Peter's point of view, but then it turns out, no, actually, Tony's been in your corner the whole time. He's been keeping his eye on you, and you just just assumed he wasn't. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. The other supporting character I want to talk about is, it was also nice to see the Tinkerer. Oh, yeah. And damage control. Well, well, well I, oh, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to disagree with you about damage control. Seeing how little damage control mattered in that movie, I am annoyed that the TV show was canceled because of it. Uh, you know, I would have rather gotten a TV show version of damage control where we would have had them week after week. And we could have had the fun comedy damage control we know from the comics. Yeah. yeah. Because it's like, oh, okay, so these people showed up, they flashed a badge, we're damage control, and that's all we get. They might appear in another movie, but it's never going to be a damage control movie. So, I don't know. I would have rather had them in the TV sphere myself. But Tinkerer, definitely. Uh, I'd like to see him turn back up. Especially as now, if his they, running if gag of the, start... I can do the space thing! Right. No. Uh. <laughs> oh, the Tinker. Now, see, if the Tinker and or Damage Control could show up in the other Marvel shows and movies, how great would that be? Yeah. If they could just seed them into the rest of the universe, that would be perfect. Because every, every bad guy needs 
a dude that makes his suit. That's what the Tinker actually does in the Marvel comics. Mm-hmm. I think we may see Tinkerer back in Homecoming too, because he might be the one that designs the Scorpion suit. They go that route. Oh, I hope so. I hope so because he's got to work on the waist system with the right. thing and the tail. <laughs> Yeah, and um, he was the only one in uh, his gang that wasn't caught in Tomb's gang. Oh, yeah. That's true. Or could the damage control show up in, like, Defenders. Yeah. Or well, Punisher we, show. Do we, we know if Shocker was caught, arrested or did he get away? We knew he was webbed to the bus. Right, yeah, I assume because he was webbed to the bus that he was probably caught, too. But I guess I don't know. Ned should have called the police. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he didn't. But here's the thing, though. All of the TV shows acknowledge the movies. The movies never acknowledge the TV shows. So the only way I think Tinkerer's ever going to show up in a TV show is if they decide we're never going to use him in another movie. And so, I, I don't know. I, 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 it's annoyed me that while Marvel says everything's connected, that they don't let the movies acknowledge yeah, the shows. it's not really. Right. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, all the Inhuman stuff really ought to be mentioned in the movies. Because it's becoming a really big deal in the TV shows. And it should have been a big deal in Civil War, talking about there's all these people developing powers all over the place. But, you know, it didn't it didn't get in there, so... Well, we'll see, though. Maybe, eventually, the TV and movie divisions will learn to play nice with each other. Probably as soon as Perlmutter moves on to his next job. You know, we might be able to get that, so... We'll see. Uh, does anybody have anything else they really wanted to talk about with Spider-Man Homecoming? I would like to point out the... Uh, going back to Ned, mm-hmm. the funniest line or the most appropriate line, and this is also a cheap plug for me and Gary. It's all it, it's all connected. <laughs> this is all connected. When he says, what does the Hulk smell like? <laughs> if you've been on the American Sci-Fi Classics at Dragon Con with me and Gary, you know what the Hulk smells like. Because we have cologne. <laughs> we do. Nice. It's a whole thing. <laughs> you guys have to come. Will, you know, you've been you've been blasted in the face with it. Oh I'm man. Sure. All over, man. I love it. <laughs> no. I this will be the worst part of you not being at Dragon Con is I need you doing the chant because you That's do right. it so well. Man, so you have to I'll just have to call you one day and just go, Hulk, 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 <laughs> and then you can pray. Yeah, well that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna Skype you in during right. that panel so you can lead the chant. <laughs> Right, put me on the PA. I'll just start leading the crowd. There you go. Oh yeah. Oh, I I missed this somehow the year that I went. Oh my gosh. Well, we we do it every year yeah. on at uh, Challenge of the Super Nerds. Uh, it's uh, it's our yearly game show, and if you get a question wrong, we spray you with Hulk cologne. <laughs> oh wow. And what's worse is I think they purposely like turn up the uh, turn the the fan on the AC unit up higher so it spreads the Hulk cologne <laughs> through the entire room. You know. Oh yeah. You can be four rows over, and about twenty minutes later, shoo! What is that? Did someone oh, just it's, pass? It's been, oh no, that's Hulk cologne. It's been eleven and a half months, and I don't, I don't think they've still gotten it out of the carpet in the room from last year. <laughs> that's why they had to change the carpet in the Marriott because of the Hulk, <laughs> because of the Hulk cologne. <laughs> that's right. Oh man. So, anyone else have anything that they want to talk about with Spider-Man: Homecoming? I thought uh, John Favreau, John Favreau, was happy once again did a great oh, job. Oh yes, I, I have the, missed the dude him. Caught in the middle, you know. All right, so I got a question I want to poll the group. Sure. Do you think that Tony really was intending to 
and make him part of the Avengers at the end. Yes, they need more people since they lost three quarters of their team in the last movie. And I think he was totally okay with him taking the room next to Vision and had it all set up. So, yeah, I I was a little more weirded out about the wedding ring thing uh, and Pepper suddenly being back. But, but yeah, with Peter, I totally believe with the press conference and everything that he was going to induct him into the Avengers. Okay, yeah, because I've heard I've heard a few people argue that they didn't think he was. I'm like, there were reporters mm-hmm. right there. Yeah, what the heck was he gonna <laughs> do? I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I I personally don't think that Tony is the settling sort. So the wedding ring and having Pepper there suddenly back again was kind of weird to me. But I don't know. We'll we'll see if they even acknowledge that in Infinity War. I think they would. I think this is something. I mean, the the. Uh, I, I think that that is something they they would probably acknowledge. But the maybe Spider Man joins the Avengers later. Yeah. But and of course he's going to fight with them in the in the Infinity War movies. But yeah, I think maybe and you know and, and they even mentioned it. Maybe even that was a test. Maybe uh, he did not intend for Spider Man to join the Avengers, but. He had this whole elaborate setup. He had the reporters there ready for the test. I don't know. I don't know. The way they were acting about how now they had to scramble to do something about it. I I got the very strong feeling that he was really serious about it. And uh, Peter Peter declining, like, floored him. (laughs) It was kind of (laughs) like, but he didn't want to appear to Peter like, you know, like, oh, I've totally walked back on the things I told you earlier. So he was like, oh, yeah, it was just a test. Test. That's right. You know. Nice. Well, and I think it honestly did surprise Tony to see him have that level of maturity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also caught. I also thought it was not necessarily the fact that Peter was declining being an Avenger, but he actually told Tony no. Yeah. You know, like no one's ever turned me down, kid. Nobody do does that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm Tony Stark. Come on. Yep. But yeah, it is interesting, and it'll be interesting to see where uh, they go with Infinity War, because, I mean, they really do have an issue. I mean, Rhodey's back is, uh, you know, messed up, uh, and he can't walk. Most of the team left over the Accords. I mean, the team now really is just Tony and Vision. Nah, nah. Rhodey, like, totally went through some experimental with Tony, and now he's, like, half Bionic Man. Yeah, and I think that we'll probably see him back. He just live in the armor. <laughs> right, like, well, they've already shown in Iron Man 3 that they can do, like, the sort of telepresence. I said, and he urinates in there and it recycles. <laughs> yeah, he's got this. The Tinker can steal that tech for the Scorpion suit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I would love to get more into the politics of what's going on, especially since that was so strong in Civil War. And so, in some ways, I'm really... Uh, sort of upset that we're going to get thrown into this like cosmic conflict and we're probably just going to kind of ignore all that. I mean, they won't completely ignore it, but, but there'll be like a fairly quick thing of, you know, Cap, Tony, we got to make up and then they're going to have to go fight Thanos. So I would have liked to have gotten more into the what's going on now, you know, kind of, of stuff of the in-between. Well, but well, I mean, the the Black Panther movie is about a, 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 a whole country. Mm-hmm that had that and and it's it's head of its government is the superhero so maybe that's something they'll touch on in that movie it's possible but they but they got a lot of black panther cool stuff that they got to get to that right you know i could see all the stuff you're talking about just go 
yeah, yeah, and it is one of those trade-offs of doing movies instead of a uh, television show adaptation, you know, because comics are a serial format. So comics can get into a lot of that man-on-the-street, average Joe kind of stuff because you've got a new one every month or sometimes twice a month. Uh, so you've got a lot more content coming out. Whereas movies that only come out every, you know, two or three years... You know, you, you got to pack in whatever you can, and you tell the story you need to tell, and you don't have as much time to sort of explore what's going on around you. So I get that the I get that there's that issue there, and maybe we'll see more of that once they bring the Defenders characters forward in the timeline because they're still like just after the battle for New York, you know, in the Defenders timeline. So we haven't really seen their reaction to the Sokovia Accords uh, in the Netflix series yet. So maybe that will come eventually. Well. Yeah, and I I really think it can be a major part of Black Panther though because the, the Sokovia Accords being an international agreement and exactly. him being a king of his own country and being a you know is he going to be part of the Accords? Will he sign the Accords? Will he fight the Accords? He's holding Bucky in in his back pocket. Right. Not that I expect that to come up, but yeah, I mean the other part of that that I wanted to know is if Tony did make Peter a member of the Avengers, would he have to come out as Spider Man and sign the Accords? Because, you know, otherwise, how does that work? Because here, Tony just almost killed his best friend over, <laughs> you know, the, this whole issue of you got to sign the accord. So it's kind of a problem if, <laughs> you know, he just lets Peter join. It's just like, no, it's cool, kid. You know, you don't have to do anything. Plus, yeah, Peter's, a, plus Peter's a minor, so I'm sure there's more paperwork involved, right. too. Yeah. Does Aunt May have to sign on his behalf? And that opens a whole right. can of worms. Brutal. Right, legal guardian consent, you know, all that stuff. So, yeah. Although, I was hoping for a line like, I saw this really old movie, it's called Star Wars, or it's called The Empire Strikes Back. (laughs) Because that was, like, one of the funniest things in Civil War. Yeah. Anyway. That was also, it was very cool for the movie to start out with that section of Civil War from Pete's point of view. Well, and they brought in the whole photography aspect of Peter with him making the home videos. Oh, see, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I feel like they modernized that really well Mm -hmm. with the whole, like, rather than him, you know, snapping these action shots like he always did in the comics and everything, that it was more modernized to the whole, like, the era of millennial generation that we live in, where, like, people are taking selfies and they're Mm self-videoing through, like, Vine and things like that. I loved it. I loved every aspect of that. Oh, didn't pick up. Didn't pick up on that. Well done. Yeah, a kid these days yeah. is not going to pick up an old school camera. I mean, that might be something that a kid develops uh, a, a love for that art form, but it's not common, and certainly not as a teenager. So, um, you know, yeah, I felt like the videos, you know, uh, like that, it's very much using that same idea, but for a modern audience. So, uh, Will or James, do either of you have anything that you really wanted to mention that we haven't talked about yet? I think we pretty much touched it all. You know, just, yeah, I think we're pretty much good. I loved it. Yeah, I'm good. All right. So, yeah, this was a lot of fun talking with you guys about Spider-Man. It's, like I said before, it's kind of funny because I feel like every time they get another director and another actor as Spider-Man, it's like they bring out some other aspect of the character. And so I've enjoyed them all to some degree. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I didn't really think about that until you said it. They there have been three Spider Men, but they've each done three different things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's 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 something. Because for example, that doesn't happen with James Bond. Right. He's James Bond in in, in all the movies. Uh, there there's no there's there's no different chunks of James Bond that you can do. And uh, with Spider Man, they each have just 
portioned off a piece and they've each done a different thing with each piece. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I'm learning something. The more you know, guys. <laughs> the more you grow. And knowing is half the battle. <laughs> yes, G.I. Joe. But uh, you can't you can't not say G.I. Joe after that. But yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that this version, though, it, like perfectly suits the MCU, which is why I think Spider-Man Homecoming is as good as it is, because it slots right into that universe. Yeah. And my only hope going forward is um, Sony, don't screw it up. <laughs> oh, God, I know. There was, like, a report right after Spider-Man Homecoming came out with Sony saying, well, you know, we only agreed to do two of these with Marvel, and I get that it's probably part of a negotiating tactic right. that they want, you know, they're, they're, well, all right, Marvel, let's talk. You've seen what we can do, you know, but but Marvel, I think, holds more cards than Sony does in right. this, so. It also seemed like, like a week after the success of Homecoming, Sony made a statement that said, here comes our Spider-Man extended universe. It's like, what are you doing? No, stop. <laughs> Just stop, Sony. Quit it. Uh, yeah, I, I am not looking forward to Silver and Black or Venom. I feel like when you portion those characters off into their own standalone thing, they're not strong enough to stand on their own. But we'll see. I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, we'll find out. So, just quick poll. What do you guys think of Sony doing a bunch of Spider-Man spinoff characters that aren't allowed to mention Spider-Man? I'll watch Tom Hardy in anything. And okay. That's all I've got to say, really. The rest of it's kind of a wait and see, but yeah. Well, I will watch Silver Sable and Black Cat in anything. So As long as it's comic accurate. <laughs> In their oh, appearance. oh, of course, sure. <laughs> yeah. The costumes have to be right. <laughs> yes, there have there have to be like fur lapels and. Uh, <laughs> yeah, can we talk about? Yeah, that's the one thing we didn't also touch on. I love the the his suit. I love the, yes. the jacket and the way they did the the vulture ruffle as the fur. Yeah, I am so glad we didn't just have a guy in a cheesy bird costume because, you know, first of all, Michael Keaton's already done that. And second yeah. of all, it, uh, yeah, that wouldn't have that wouldn't have worked well in the MCU. Uh, James, what about you? How are you feeling about Venom and uh, Silver and Black? If you could see what I'm doing right now, uh, to mention <laughs> that I'm just rubbing my forehead with my index and middle finger and thumb. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, because uh, I don't, I just, I don't, I don't know how to feel about it. I don't like, I already don't like the, fa- the fact that in the, in the Marvel MCU, that when we jump to the TV shows, like they, they're still very trepidatious about like referring to specifics or referring mm-hmm. to specific heroes or even the specific events that have happened. Like we find that where, you know, it's just like, oh, the event. Things like that. So that's what it kind of feels like when it's like, oh, well, we're going to make these offshoot movies of characters that are in the Spider-Man universe without ever having any mention of Spider-Man. Like, it feels like they might not say Spider-Man directly, but at some point, like, somebody will be like, you know, that spider guy or that insect kind of dude who, you know, always foils us. And it's just like, oh, like, don't. Like, it's like TNT editing, like, movies. It's just like, stop. Your lips are moving, but... Yeah, gosh darn it, all the heck. (laughs) I want it it 
like full and uncut. Like I want the whole shebang, and and I feel like it's kind of a disservice. I mean, if they do a good job, I guess of never of just they just cut Spider Man out. Like it's just not mentioned because in that universe, like it's not relevant to it. I maybe that'll be one thing, but as as has been said, uh, only time will tell us. Uh, you know, I'll make my judgments fully uh, once I have actually seen footage. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Like I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that it's going to be good. Because I'm a fan of of the characters and of uh, of Tom Hardy as well. But the first, my first initial reaction was it's just cash grab, you know. Like mm-hmm. you know, once they saw that, oh look, you know, the Spider Man made money. Let's go full steam ahead with everything we possibly can before we decide whether or not it's a good idea. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's like they made the decision based on money instead of whether or not it's a creative success or not or whether or not they should you know but, but the hollywood never does that what <laughs> hollywood based on money what yeah they can make a few cheap movies and put them out there and even though spider-man's not going to be in them they're going to say something about marvel characters or something that isn't you know a, an untruth in their advertisement just to put the marvel name on there people will go flocking to the movie and it's like we've made this movie on a shoestring so any sales basically for tickets makes us money so right. yay right of course <laughs> you know that all being said you know look at deadpool that was a huge success so yeah uh, you know we'll, we'll see what happens yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. That the, the the thing the thing is they they've proven all of us wrong uh, a zillion other times. Marvel. And remember, that's the MCU though. This is Sony. These movies, Marvel isn't touching, and that's Those why they're not even. Those people have not proven us wrong. <laughs> they have proven us right. Right. So yeah, we'll 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 see how it goes. But yeah, guys, this was a lot of fun. Totally. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. So now let's say goodbye and let people know where they can find you. So, Joe, why don't we start with you? I am at um, on on the Twitters at Yojo Crow. That's Crow with an E. And um, also at Classic Track on Twitter with where I, where we talk about old things and great things like Manimal. And with uh, <laughs> Mr. Gary Mitchell, who... Uh, and and you know, in just a couple of weeks, me and Gary, we're we're gonna be doing a thing. It'll be great. Yeah. Oh, and I will tell people at home that he is not the character from Star Trek. Oh, I've yes. met him, so I can verify this. <laughs> so don't be <laughs> fooled by the name. <laughs> yes, indeed. And it's not a fake name; it's my real name. Right. So, Gary, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Goodbye, Internet. You can find me on the Twitters as Gary underscore Mitchell Mitchell with one L. Uh, you can also find me with the on the Facebook. And and the American Sci-Fi Classics Track Facebook group, uh, which I believe Joe just plugged. Facebook.com slash yes. groups slash American Sci-Fi Classics. Where we post all kinds of cool stuff every day. Uh, every day. And we hope to see you at the convention. All right. And Will, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you. Good night, Internet. You can find me uh, on random episodes of the 42 cast and on Facebook and hopefully next year back with the American Sci-Fi Classes track. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, James, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Yeah. Um, so you can find me pretty much Roman on the rocks across the multiverse of uh, social media that exists. Um, either I'm a presence or I'm not. And if I don't do another podcast before this, um, and you happen to be in the Seattle area uh, during the beginning 
months of September, days, months, days of September, <laughs> September 1st through, uh, I think it is the 4th, I will be at the Penny Arcade Expo, or PAX West as it is now referred to, in Seattle. Oh, cool. Awesome. All right, well, thank you all for being on the podcast today. You bet. Thank you, sir. And that ends our Spider-Man Homecoming podcast for this week. Like with the TV shows, I am going to be catching up on my movie podcasts shortly in the hopes that by the time we get to Ant-Man and the Wasp, I am completely caught up and able to release those movie episodes as the movie comes out instead of waiting several months. But in a way, I also kind of like it because with Black Panther coming up in just a couple of weeks, it kind of reminds us of where the Earth-based Marvel stuff is right now. And, you know, it's kind of a good refresher, I think, before going into that movie. Not that I think that it's really going to affect what happens in Black Panther all that much. But one thing that I am curious about is what your thoughts are about the Uncle Ben situation in Homecoming. We talked about it on the episode today. I've talked about it a little bit with some of my friends on Facebook, and I'm just curious if other people got the same impression as I did that they were just trying to write Uncle Ben out of the universe because, you know, he's never mentioned. It doesn't really seem like they're grieving. It doesn't seem like they've had any kind of, you know, a death. A close family member died fairly recently for them, so. I'm curious if anyone else felt that way or if everyone else feels like, no, they just didn't mention him because they didn't mention him. But I will stand by the fact that you could mention him without going through the whole origin, which I agree, yes, very happy that they didn't go through the origin again. But with that being said, as always, I want to hear from you. What have you liked? What haven't you liked? What topics would you like us to cover going forward? You know, what guests have you liked? Uh, What guests would you like to see on the show? People that we could interview? Anything like that. Any kind of feedback. Just let us know. Best way to do it would be to email us at everything at 42cast.com. But you can also drop us a line at Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 42cast. You can tweet to us at at 42cast. Or you can go to our our website which is 42cast.com and leave a comment on any of our episode posts you can also leave us reviews on stitcher radio and itunes and i did want to shout out again to the t public website where we have 42cast shirts mugs totes pillows sweaters hoodies, just about any kind of geeky accessory. We have all kinds of stuff there, and as well as other shows from the Air Station One Network, they have their logos on various things. So check it out. Just go to tpublic.com and type in ESO Network, and it will pull up the merchandise for all of the shows on the network, and it helps support the network and keep us on the internet. I almost said on air, but that wouldn't make any sense, would it? <laughs> anyway, so join us back next week when Hayden Penetier will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You've been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2018. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42 cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. Incidental music is provided with permission by Fur DK. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com.